Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Mark, we are live. We are up, man. You doing okay today? I'm doing great. Nice to meet you, Chris. Yeah, you too, man. Thanks for being here. And what little yeah, I'm know, excited. Yeah, and what little I know about you, and I guess where to get this conversation going is that you're writing a book, or you've already written the book, Coding for Intimacy. And, I'm in the process of writing it. And so I guess we were maybe we should start this off, you know, like so people get a kind of a background of you. Like, what was the motivation behind it? What inspired you to write this? I mean, what was the what was the deal, man? Well, the succinct, succinct version is that I think there's a lot of men. I live out on the West Coast, not far from Silicon Valley. Mm. I think there's a lot of young men who are part of the next entrepreneurial growth spurt in the United States about technology. And they don't necessarily have the tools for intimacy with the woman that they want to be with. Ooh. And as coders and technologists, the term coding for intimacy would be an attractive way to bring them into a conversation about what emotional intelligence is and how to speak to a woman in a way that brings you closer together and ignites the relationship. And a lot of skill sets need development in that area from what I understand. So, and I, I kind of agree with exactly with what you're saying that a lot of these guys that are in Silicon Valley, and of course I've never been out there and I might be generally speaking, but <clears throat> they spend a lot of their time you know, in front of the screen. So really getting out there and having these social interactions with the opposite sex, is probably almost a rare occasion for him. Right. Well, that was like what I kind of, I initially, when I started my coaching business, identified as my ideal client base because I had this opinion of them. Okay. But like any, anything that's a generalization, eventually you start to learn that the exception proves the rule and vice versa. It's it, men in general, we like instruction manuals when we <clears> use them. And there's definitely no instruction manual for women. And I'm de this while it might appear that I'm writing one, I'm not actually giving out the specifics instruction for women. But if you learn to have an intimate understanding of yourself, mm -hmm. that's the first step in having intimacy. And I mean, emotional intimacy, intellectual intimacy, and then also sexual intimacy. And so knowing yourself moment to moment in real time and the shifting emotions that we have and how to communicate them effectively, that's what coding for intimacy is about. 
So where does it start at? I mean, do you give like a background of why people should be reading this book and like we just like you just said, and then you go into like, all right, step one here, like get to know yourself. Well, what I did was I started writing from step one, basically, because I really wanted to get down this this idea. And I've been through a couple of three different iterations on just the idea. And it was going to be just a pamphlet that I gave away to my clients for free. But then the deeper I got into it, the realized there was more writing that I wanted to do about it. So rather than just pop it out there with a bunch of info, infographics, I decided to slow down, take my time. And so I haven't written an introduction that's like, there's a part of telling the story that's about me. Sure. But I'm not really that great about talking about myself. And so I didn't start there. And so, uh, of course, when I get to the point where I'm having people read it and, and I have people making suggestions, I'm sure there's going to be a thing that says, well, why are you writing this book? What what's the introduction, basically? And if I was going to just tell people right now, I would say in 2014, when my 21 year marriage came to an end and my company was sold, hmm. I was at a crossroads in my life. I wanted to be my with my wife. She didn't want to be with me anymore. I wanted to continue in my career, but it, it wasn't going to work out that way because the offer I was getting from the new company didn't meet my needs, didn't meet the kind of growth curve that I wanted to have for myself. So I knew that I was going to have to shift. I was going to have to reinvent myself to really fully express and become the successful man I wanted to be. And so I started my journey as a deep dive on what could I do to better myself. And as a result, I ended up taking on the entrepreneurship of becoming a men's wisdom coach. Okay. I realized I had the talent for that. I'd actually been doing it since I was nine, which is a whole another section of the story. But now I wanted to train. I actively, I went into a one year long pro pro program called the Coaching Dojo. And I've been certified in two other situations since then. And I have a thriving practice now of, of men's coaching or life coaching as it's commonly known. So after 21 years, you were in the uh, film industry, correct? Is that what I read about? Yeah. Yeah. So, and you said everything came to like a halt right there, right? I yeah. There was a couple things that happened uh, in late December thir 13 and then early 2014, where it was no longer viable for me to stay with the company I was with. Mm. Um, they offered me a position that was moving to LA, but it was, it was not going to be what I was doing. And it was, it was definitely felt like, you know, a downgrade. Sure. Um, and I wanted to be free. Like I, something in me wanted to like break away from all the conventions that I'd built at that point in my life and, and do a, a whole new thing. Right. I really wanted to investigate myself. And that summer I left in April of 2014. And that was the first time I'd had, you know, 90 days off <laughs> since, since I was in Damn. junior high school and I, I did it all. I, I went to music festivals and I paddle boarded and I took yoga lessons. And at that point I wasn't with my wife anymore. I dated women. I had a ball. Yeah. And live your life, man. Give a whole new experience. And yeah. Yeah. That whole 21 years has opened up a new round of freedom here. And I wanted to know that you know, if you would have kept, say those events never would have happened. I mean, were you just kind of going off momentum through those 21 years and you just would have kept going along the same pathway? Or I think we talk about my relationship and my career. There's kind of two different things. Um, 
the fact that the company that I was with was sold to another company was the key break there. If they hadn't sold the team I was with and the things that we were doing, I loved that. I would have stayed with that a lot longer. In fact, I'd probably still be working there today. But the new leadership, um, they wanted to change things. They wanted to, you know, they just bought something valuable and they were going to change it. And um, I was excited about it initially. But then as I started to see what their plans were for me, I wasn't excited. And, you know, I had been in what I'd call a, where a culture where excellence was the norm. Mm. And I don't, I can't do mediocre. And I knew if I went with it, I was going to be phoning it in. I was just going to be getting a paycheck with them. Yeah. And I just decided I wasn't, I wasn't willing to do that. And at the time I didn't know what I was going to do. Like it was a little bit scary. That's pretty valuable. I guess that's the right word I'm trying to say. And to yourself that knowing like, Hey, you know, your own morals and values and ethics that, Hey, I have really a passion for this and I want to actually do it very, very well rather than just, you know, take the easy road. And like you just said, just live your life out there until you get, you know, what X amount of years. And then you say, well, I'll just throw up the deuces and retire. Right. I mean, but because I think a lot of people tend to, the, they want easy, right. They don't want to go through the hard obstacles and learn like all, you know, all the bumps and the roads and stuff. They just want well, and- to What's easy? Like, is it easy to go and die a slow death 40 hours a week doing something that that's killing you? <laughs> well, now there, we should say something. I did not raise kids, so I had no children in this equation, which made it a lot different, a decision. Sure. If I had had children, my obligation to them would have been trumped my own personal desires. Sure. So I would have probably kept my nose to the grindstone and, and, and done that. So that that part of the equation was in my favor. I know how that goes from one perspective. Yeah, I'm in the same boat that, you know, I'm 36 years old and I've never been married, no kids yet. And um, so, yeah, when I've been asking as far as, you know, if we're going to talk about morals and values and work-life balance and how do I be able to, like, you know, work full-time, do this, you know, do my training and on the side, it's just one of those things that, well, I don't have to devote X amount of hours to kids, you know, and like, yeah, they, and I'm not, you know, advocating that you should or, shouldn't have kids. I'm just saying that that's kind of one of the reasons I don't have to, you know, be obligated to do that when I'm able to put more time into something else like this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that was what got me started. And then I took to it. That was the other thing is once I started working my own personal transformational issues, because it started with me having my own coaches and me going to seminars. And, and I went, the first thing I did was go to something called the ignited man seminar, which was part corporate bonding, thing with men, but it was the other part was, um, you know, how to have the kind of life you want in your dating life with women. Okay. And that lit me up. It was called ignited man and it worked. I got fired up and I was surprised, you know, I've never been considered hot, but I was much more attractive from that point on. Like there was something in me that shifted and I was able to have a new level of personal relationships with women, partially because I had the combination of strength and productivity and emotional intelligence. Mm. So that combination is something women are starving for. Yeah. So going to that seminar, you said those three things were ignited within you. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, I learned about my strengths and about my weaknesses and that was the start. It was a three day event. And there, you know, part of it was about, it wasn't PUA, it wasn't pickup artistry, but it was another level of connecting with women and creating sexual intimacy with women. And I just got the hint of it. And then I started coaching heavily with one of the people I'd worked with. And I actually paid them as a personal coach. 
And I worked with them all spring and partway into the summer. And then I started doing additional workshops, something called the Razor's Edge, which is another men's group type thing. And I got involved in men's work deeper. And that just really solidified the kind of potency and direction and like leadership that I'd always had, but it really gave me clarity around it. And because I was raised in an environment where my father wasn't around a lot, I, I had a whole lot of the feminine traits already. I was very much an emotionally intelligent person, very able to speak and feel and talk about my emotions with people. Sure. So the piece that was missing for me was that kind of next level of masculine directedness. Do you, I never heard that uh, PUA pickup artistry before. That was, I know. Is, is that one of those things where uh, you see like on random entertainment and movies and that, you know, hey, we're going to teach you how to pick up women. It's like that kind of raunchy comedy. It's like the alpha male takes his boys to the bar and like. So well, it, this, in this case, it's actually people that have like sales funnels that want to teach you how to talk to women, how to get the, the results you've always wanted. And it's like it's usually a promise of how you could have as many women as you want and have all the sex you want. And you just have to learn these psychological tricks to to get inside their head. And there's all these patternings that they, they recommend in those things. And the reason I know this is because when I was trying to save my marriage, I was ready to try anything. And so I researched that and I, it was like, it's basically psychological tricks. The problem with them was that they might work for one night or for a week, but they didn't actually build intimacy and connection. They were manipulation and it doesn't work long-term. And I was interested in relationship. I wasn't interested in manipulating a series of one night stands just so I could have fun. Um, And, you know, I'm not saying that's wrong. If, if you want to be someone who has a lot of different relationships with a lot of different women, and you want to learn techniques that give you access to that kind of fun and you're ethical about it, when you talk to them you're like, look, I'm not looking for anything serious, blah, 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 man, go have fun. Like I'm not judging, but it wasn't for me. Like I, I have a different set of needs. So those three things, do you think generally speaking, of course, that that's more what women are looking for in a guy that knowing like the emotional intelligence rather than just, you know, the, uh, like I just said, alpha boy mentality, you know, that, you know, guys I can protect her or that whole nature, you know? Yeah, well, I think it's different for every woman, right? One. And I think that um, there's a spectrum here. We could call, there's a thing called the sensitive new age guy. And he ends up in the friend zone a lot, but he's he can talk about his feelings all day long, mm-hmm. right? Right. And then there's the alpha stoic who doesn't talk about his feelings. He's always in his masculine and he's the bad boy and women are attracted to him, right? Sure. But once they land him, they kind of fall out of connection because they can't develop a a deeper intimacy with him. There's only so deep that they can go with that kind of relationship. And he might not have the abilities to communicate his deeper feelings and his needs, or even want to, that would build the kind of intimacy that would get him the long-term kind of connection that he craves. And I think deep down, a lot of us, despite our outward appearance, we do want to connect with someone who's our ride or die. Sure. Well, what is that the thing that, you know, when and I forgot where I picked this up at or where I heard it at, but you know, two or there's 
two forms that of uh, attractiveness that guys really like is somebody who they see, you know, as a mother to to the kids, being that you know, ride or die, wife all their life, all his life, and then you know, the girl on the side who's trashy and nasty, and you know, right, the mother or yeah, just there for the good time, yeah. So yeah. yeah, so it's kind of one of those things, but I think. I'm not really sure what my point was with that, but I think that's what generally that's what two guys or most guys are probably looking for in life. Right. Is that, is that, the, well, I think that's what we talk about. Okay. Like we talk about that. But what I think is what's true is that men or women, we have both of those things inside all of us. So for instance, there's the sensitive new age guy and the, the lone wolf and each man has a part of that in himself already. And there's the Madonna horror complex that we were just talking about in women. Mm. And it's everyone has these dynamics. And it's just a, a kind of what's the conditions under which these people were raised? Where do they sort of land in their life experience? Like is, is the woman who's like deeply sexual and not really a family woman? What was the reason that happened for her? What were the circumstances of her upbringing? And what, what is it about that kind of communication and connection that works for her. And then where does it break down where she feels unsatisfied and she doesn't feel like she's really getting what she wants out of life. Sure. And the same might be true for the opposite polarity. Like if a woman is a great family woman and she's taking care of the family and she's making sure it's all handled and she's raising the kids and she's keeping the home life going. But meanwhile, she might feel like a little lost around her passion or she might not feel she's getting the kind of attention from her man that she wants. What, you know, how does she find her way back to that place where she's electrified and her life is lit up, right? And so we, if we see these things as black and white and people and we just put them into the boxes of one or the other, we're really missing out on a whole range of human potential. And if you're in a long-term committed monogamous relationship, learning to play with those energies in new ways is the key to feeling excited and providing variety within the framework of your relationship, mm -hmm. recognizing that you have whatever the opposite polarity is available to you. If you practice it a little, whether you're that sensitive guy who isn't as strong and then commanding an alpha, you can bring that side out, right? If you're the housewife, who's a, doesn't really know what to do with her hot sexual self, you can learn to bring that side out. And depending on which area you pick up, you can add those skills in. And that's what coding for intimacy is. That's what learning to become more intimate with your partner is all about. Mm. It's a lot of trial and error. You think like, Hey, you know, like taking baby steps and like trying to, you know, not just go sprint towards the finish line, but to bring some of these things out of somebody, you know, those little traits and things and like, Hey, let me try this out and see if it works or not. Then it does work. Let me build off of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it starts with yourself. It's not like, what can I have them do, but how can I become the person I want to be? Sure. A lot of us wear masks, especially men. We like, we have, we think we have to live into this role and to some degree, there's something serviceable about that in terms of playing a role in society, being productive and being a provider and all those things. But we often also get imprisoned in those masks and in those roles because we think that's all we can be and we get stuck there and right. we get we get defined by the limits of how we imagine our our lives unfolding. And the truth is every rom-com or every you know, midlife crisis movie is about that point, 
like my point when my marriage broke up and my job changed, where the moment of transformation is thrust upon you by circumstance. You can either wait for that to happen or you can sort of cultivate it as if a, it's a fun game and just do it the whole way through your life. And there are examples of that. And, and we can look at that in, in some of the actors in their personal lives. Like one of my favorites is Harrison Ford. Like that guy looks like he has a good time. Oh, for sure. <laughs> right. And he's still in great shape and doing amazing things in his life. He's a pilot. He's rescued people in Utah with his helicopter. Like that guy's doing things. Right. And right. it's because he's willing to take risks and go out there and, and become even more. And then just this weekend on D23, when he was announcing Indy 5, the dude was crying on stage. I saw that. I saw some stuff on Instagram about that. And it made me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's great because here's this amazing hero, the epitome of heroism, strength, leadership, leading man. And there it is. He's willing to be vulnerable and emotional because it means something to him. Sure. Yeah. You know, this conversation's resonating with me a lot, just like you were talking about. Well, I guess maybe, maybe I should back up just because I've always been thought that, you know, dating and relationships is really hard for me. And I don't know. I, I don't know if my, it's cause of my track record or, you know, just childhood trauma or well, but, or just not being able to open myself up. Like, you know, talking about emotional intelligence, but it's always like, somebody asked me like one time on a podcast and you know, what do I really struggle with? And, and I think a part of it is that, you know, and, and for whatever reason, like, you know, especially when, you know, I'm 36. So especially like during college and like right after college where the social norm was, always you know hey you know you go to the family get togethers and it's a couple hey when you bringing somebody here with you when you're gonna have a kid when you get married and then you know and i was always the one who haven't hasn't go, who hadn't gone down that road yet and i was like man like there's so much pressure just onto me that well like, i don't understand what's going wrong or what what is wrong and then i always felt like maybe something's wrong with me you know and like i didn't think there i like i kind of thought that but i was like well no that can't be right maybe i just ain't my time yet you know right and then you know part of it too is that you know, I wonder that, you know, growing up, you know, I was a big movie buff and well, still am and TV shows, you know, I used to idolize people like, you know, like the alpha males who were going out to all the bars, getting the girls and the heroes in the movies and, you know, the, the womanizers. And I was like, oh, man, they're having such a great time. They're living their life. Look what they're able to do. And sometimes I wonder if that played a part in my subconscious or, or if I'm just overanalyzing, you know? Well, I think there's something to be said for um, how we don't train men how to fully embody their full potential in this regard. We kind of throw men at, you know, here's some magazines or here's some movies about it. Go figure it out for yourself. Yeah. And it, you know, there's a long tradition in the past of young men being initiated by older men into fraternities and into business areas. And it used to be that there were courtship rituals in our culture that revolved around churches and things like that, where we taught young men how to be, you know, dance with a lady and how to, you yeah. know, take a woman out to date and those sorts of things with the sexual revolution, those sorts of things began to fall apart. And to some degree that was good because they became, you know, wooden and, and not as serviceable, right? Because people are complex and, and we're not like that anymore. But the ultimate thing is, since you now you're left to experiment and discover for yourself, 
you got to be careful about what the conclusions you draw about yourself are because how you talk to yourself matters quite a bit. Sure. And if your mindset gets tuned to this kind of attitude of I'm not this kind of person or that won't work for me or I have this type of woman that's, that works for me or not, pretty soon that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So how you set up your thinking and how you practice who you want to be as opposed to who you used to be true matters and it depends on your values it depends on your what you want and like we shame men for what they want sometimes and we also have this really somewhat narrow definition of what men should want like if we go down the porn route it's like you're supposed to have this kind of sex and then that's how it's supposed to look and then you're supposed to enjoy it that way and maybe that's not you, right? Or sure. we have the other polarity. You're supposed to get married and, and be with the same girl all the time and raise kids. And, you know, the the real gift of life is your personal journey and unlocking the puzzle from your perspective. And so as a coach, if I were your coach, we'd start with like talking about your old relationships and how you approach it. And then we'd get into, well, what is it you really want? And why don't you know? what you really want. Like mm. that's where a lot of it goes. Like some guys get to a point where they're like, well, that's kind of it, but there's, I feel like there's something more, but I, I can't quite tap into it. Right. And you know, um, let's be honest, most very, like most men that have a strong sex drive, they want that to be part of the situation. Right. But how do you have that? Right. And how do you create that level of desire in your partner? So she wants to meet you there. And, and that's all an art. And like I was saying, men want uh, an instruction manual. <laughs> There's no instruction manual for art, right? It's it's something that, right? So, you know, we were talking before we went on the air, you know, I play a little music on the side. And so I think there's something to understanding dance or understanding music, even if you don't play or you, you're tone deaf and you can't sing. Sure. Connecting with that magic and how that feels in your body, that's where you can start to experiment around what the language of intimacy is. Yeah. Do you know who Jordan Peterson is? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I was listening to him on a podcast here a few weeks ago. And uh, for those who don't know who Jordan Peterson is, he's a clinical psychologist and he travels around and gives like lectures and stuff like that about, I guess, whatever, any topic he wants to really. But, uh, but I think a lot of young men seem to, you know, be his typical audience. But anyway, I guess my point is, is that somebody, during the podcast, they were talking and he said, like, what's one of somebody asked him, like, what's some of the most questions you get during your seminars or conferences or whatever? And he said, like, and he said, the, the main one he gets probably the majority of the time is like, what's the perfect first date or how do you know you're on the perfect date? And and he says that basically that you have to know and figure out if you want to date yourself first before you can actually say or wonder if I'm actually on the perfect date or this is working out the way I want it to be. And that when I heard that, I was like, wow, OK. That made, you know, that resonated with me. That clicked something in my head. It's like, ooh, would I want to date me? You know, and like like you were talking about talking about yourself and what you're saying about underneath your breath and inside your, those little voices in your head, you know, like what you're actually saying inside rather than externally means a whole lot. Yeah. And we, we tend to think it's the mask that we have to put on and we forget it's actually the substance mm. because when you, when you actually create the substance, that internal composition of who you are. And you learn to love your weaknesses and em embrace them at the same time as 
yourself as you are. And you're available to learn more. But if you're wearing a mask, you're trying to fit the role all the time. Sure. The woman feels like there's something about you she can't trust because it's like you're on stage or you're playing a role. And when that's happening, she can't, her nervous system can't feel the real you with your vulnerabilities and your strengths, right? Yeah. And that's really what she wants to know. And, and, you know, some people are incompatible. So if your values or your weaknesses and strengths aren't the right combination for a woman like that, don't waste time being sad and critical of yourself about it. Yeah. Look for someone who does fit that with you, who you are compatible with, and then recognize this is the one thing we forget. We grow and change. So you're not going to be the same person in that relationship five years after you started it that you were at the beginning. Sure. So you want to look for ways to change together. And that's why our intimacy really comes into play. Because when you start to shape your life differently than when she met you, that's going to feel scary and uncomfortable. And that scary and uncomfortable becomes the fuel for excitement, or it becomes the thing that scares her so much she wants out. <laughs> and yeah. so how you manage that transition and how you enroll her in, the, in going on the ride with you, right? Yeah. That's the key. And vice versa. Like, where does she want to go? What is she interested in? And really honestly caring and supporting that w within her, uh, even if it means letting her go. Yeah. You know, to your point that, you know, I was sitting here had this thought that, you know, I think, again, generally speaking, of course, that early in the 20s, in your 20s, teens, whatever, that you're really just dating and you don't really know where your relationship's going or what you're trying to do with it. You're just kind of going along with it just because, again, like that's a social norm. You have a girlfriend just because society wants you to have a girlfriend. But, and again, like you, to your point that, you know, in five years, you know, you're a completely different person. And that now that, you know, your morals and values might change over time or even in looking for a girlfriend, for my example, you know, they're going to change on what you've seen in a woman compared to what you saw them as at 20 years old or 21 years old or whatever that now you're looking for like, hey, I want that ride or die and somebody that I can build an empire with. If that's what you want to say. And that, you know, it shares the same those values with you that you are going to grow with and you're not going to, you know, hold each other back, so to speak, just because, you know, that could probably put a dagger into the relationship. Well, in learning how to uh, allow someone to fully enter into the possibility of becoming their best self and stay connected to them. That's a, that's a tricky thing because you're, you know, you're changing the way the relationship works. You might've had a relationship that has them at home and you going off to war or something like that. Yeah. And then when you get back they're you know, you're all, you're on top of each other again, and now they want to go off to school and you might want them there for you. But, but, but allowing that growth to occur without being threatened by it creates openness and spaciousness for the, the growth to be that person to become their fullest self. And at the end of the day, if you can do that from a place of love and courage, as opposed to fear and constriction, they're going to feel that and be more attracted to you because they can become who they fully want to be. Mm. And I think a lot of men get trapped, like I've said before, in thinking they have to maintain this kind of concept of who their self is and that they aren't allowed to evolve or otherwise they're not, their woman's not going to want them anymore or, or something like that. And, um, 
the truth is she wants variety just as much as you want to become a better man. And that, that road that you take to becoming a better man provides her with the mystery of who is this guy for real that keeps her engaged. Mm. And if that is, who is this guy for real? I can't trust him because everything he says turns out to be bullshit. Then no, that's not going to work. But who is this guy? This is exciting. What he's up to, I can't control it. I can't, I'm not even sure where it's all going to lead, but I know he wants me. Yeah. And this is intriguing. Then that's chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree hundred percent right there. And just that, I wonder that for me now, personally speaking, that I try to be that person, you know, on a first date, second date, like, Hey, I'm throwing it all out here. And I believe in strong communication is one of the keys to relationships and like telling you, Hey, you know, I want to go down this road. And if you ain't on board, then you know, there's a, there's a plank. You can hop off anytime you want to or whatever that rather than trying to be someone I'm not and just wasting all this energy that and time that could have been put towards something else. Cause I, you know, again, sometimes I wonder back in my twenties, if that's, you know, if we're talking about failed relationships, I was always trying to be something that I was not just because I thought I had to be. And I was wearing that mask that you're talking about. And, and at the end of the day, you know, years later, it's like, damn, you know, it was, did I really see it going that way? And then it's, I don't want to say regret it because, you know, I mean, I do. And I don't, you know, so I have mixed feelings with that, of course, but yeah, but at the end of the day, like in today's time, so it's just, all right, this is what I want. This is how it's going to be. Um, I want to share more and have it out there. That way, you know, there's nothing really hidden for the most part, you know, and that way. We well, yeah. Yeah. Into- I'm curious about that. Can I poke at your life a little yeah, bit? Yeah, man. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Feel awesome. It. So there's this element of trying to secure the situation in advance that has you maybe set the ground rules in a way. Okay. And that can be really destructive. Hmm. While you're trying to be clear and also set up a foundation of values, you also take all of the mystery of the adventure out of it. I see. So there's a way to be present and demonstrate that you're trustworthy, devoted, and a leader without necessarily having to secure her intentions Mm. and saying, look, if you're not on, then you get off. Right. Oh, okay. I'm with you. Because it, right. If she's on, you're, she'll be there. And if you wake up every day and you choose her and she chooses you, that's a powerful thing. It's kind of exciting actually too. Right. And it's reasonable to want to secure something. I mean, it's reasonable to want to be in a long-term monogamous relationship with marriage or whatever. But when you are at the front end of that, when you're courting, when you start to lay down ground rules, they feel like pressure and they feel like cages really quickly. I'm but if you just embody and demonstrate those values in the way that you act, in the way that you carry yourself, in the way that you treat her, then you don't have to ask questions. She's going to show you who she is. And then you can make decisions based on that, or you can ask questions based on that. And, and, I find there was like an ultimatum in what you said, right? And that I'm poking at that because I think there's a tendency to want to be clear and and fish or cut bait. And there's something useful in that, right? We're in too big a hurry, especially as men. Like we want to get to home plate right away. And we we think that um, faster and harder in the bedroom is the way to go. Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, it's not. It's actually slowing down and feeling more 
that's the way to go. And the thing about that is it feels really scary for men to not define what you're doing with her and not try to capture her in the commitment of relationship because you want to make sure that the efforts and the, the, the energy and investment you make doesn't just fall apart like it's done so many times before. But the truth is you can't ever actually do that. There's no way to solidify and capture that from an intellectual or a strategic point of view. You have to just be so clear about who you are and what your values are that you show up like that every day. And if she stays attracted, great. And if she doesn't, then, then you'll know and it'll fall apart. And you don't have to claim, you don't have to explain that that's what's going to happen. You don't have to give them ultimatums. You have to do that. But you have to be courageous enough not to worry about it when she doesn't text you back. <laughs> True. You got it. Well, like I like to choose that made sense the way you said that. And I never really thought about it that before. But, you know, I like the fact that you were talking about, you know, leaving a little bit of mystery out there, you know, because and that what why you're talking about, you know, I tend to like that, too. You know, a little bit of mystery and that, you know, you expect or the unexpected doesn't happen or whatever. You're like, oh, it's like, oh, it's exciting. You get a little jolt of energy right there. And that, you know, I guess I forgot about that. Yeah. And it's reasonable. Like, you know, we live in a high risk emotional environment because we've got so many choices with the Tinders and the dating apps out there. You know, you never know when somebody's swiping right while they're, you know, hanging out with you or when they go to the bathroom at a bar with you. Like, you just don't know. But there's something about being so collected as a man where you're so devoted to yourself and you know your values and you know your principles and you know what you want out of life, including that being her, that you lose that fear of what she's going to do with that. And you realize that you've, I'm, I mean, Chris, how many breakups have you survived in your life? Just off the top of your head. Uh, you know, three off the top. I know. For Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sure. Right. Do you think you could survive another one? Yeah. Yeah. So I now know I, I know I can. Right. So what it, you have literally have nothing to lose by not trying to collect, you know, hold, corral, capture. Right. The other end of the spectrum is if you're too loose, they don't feel your devotion to them. They don't feel your desire for them or. And so they're going to worry. And um, this was said to me um, when I was in high school, I was on the fencing team. Nice. And the woman who taught fencing there, uh, she taught, I think, 20 years. 
Okay. And I, I was there towards the end of her career. And she said something really powerful to me, which is a life lesson and a metaphor. It's, she said, hold the epe in your hand like it's a live bird. You're holding it so well that it's not going to escape, but not so tight that you crush it. Right. Okay. And this is kind of a metaphor for how you hold your self-esteem. And if you, if you have that and then you are attractive and you can hold a woman with that level of grace, she feels desired. She feels your devotion to her. She feels your attention on her. Right. But she doesn't feel your fear and your gripping and your grasping and her, your controlling of her. Right. So now she's free to choose you every day of your life. And she senses your fearlessness about her choice because love means, well, if she chooses to do something else, I want her to have what she wants to do. Right. And I want her to choose to be with me. So I'm creating the conditions where that's the most beneficial thing. Right. I'm showing up well groomed. I'm showing up with my stuff handled and emotionally available and willing to talk and co-create the plans together and and then also lead and surprise and create variety out of uh, out of magic really you know the art of relationship mm. and if you can do that you're like already in the the top five percent of dateable men do you think hookup culture is ruining that for men being that type of creating that habits just because because at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, you're swiping or whatever, but I think you still have to, when you meet that person in person, that you still have to court them and be this person that you just articulated very well. I was, you know, I was like, oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, I think that it'd be a mistake to, to apply this as a blanket thing for everybody. Okay. So if you're 18 and you want to explore life and you're a man, a young man. Yeah. And your best friend is Tinder or Bumble or whatever it is. And you're being upfront 100% with all of the women you're dating about the fact that what you want to do is learn about what it's like to be with lots of different women. I don't see any problem with that because you've got to develop something along the way. You've got to become aware of what your strengths are, what you want, what your preferences are. Do you like them tall? Do you like them small? Do you like them sassy? Do you like them quiet? Like you, and the only way to find that out is to try it out. So that's good. And for young men, as long as you're not compromising your, your core values or being dishonest and deceitful and hurtful, then I, I'm okay with, you call it pickup culture. I'd call it having, um, sowing your oats or, or experiencing variety at the beginning of your romantic life. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Over time, like I'm 59, right. So it's a whole different world for me. When I left my first marriage, I haven't been married again, my only marriage up to this point. I went back into that place of variety, but I came with all of this maturity and all these skills about and knowledge of what I wanted mm. and who I wanted to be with and why. So it wasn't a, uh, an abstract thing like, how do I do this? How do I know what I want? Who do we, is it this one? Is it that one? Right. So it was a different game, but it still had this really yummy kind of I can go anywhere, do anything fuck anybody kind of thing, right? Right. So it depends where you are. I think that if you if you're my age and you're playing, you're a player, there's consequences to that. And the consequences can be that you may not end up with someone that you can trust in your that's in your corner long term. 
And I think, especially for me, that's something I value. That's one of my values is I want to build community. I want to have someone who I'm going to grow old with. That's what I want. Right. Right. That's not what you want. Great. As long as you're honest about it and you're willing to accept the reality of, you know, being a guy who's, you know, independent then you know, maybe that, I mean, at a certain point, like, I don't know, it's hard to say because you look at people like Jack Nicholas or Jack Nicholson and, you know, I don't know. It's, it's there's some old playboys out there who are still doing just fine. Right. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I kind of wonder like, what's in it for them emotionally? Is there something that they can't do? And so that's what they do instead. You know, um, I don't like to judge. My, let me put it this way. If you aren't looking for something special, you're going to miss the depth of what can happen in a real deep, rich, emotionally connected, intimate relationship. Mm-hmm. And so there's the danger in the technology and in the variety that we have that will rely on that to get us out of an uncomfortable situation. But I'm telling you, the discomfort and the growth is where the real juice is. That's where you really find the adventure of relationship is when you kind of come up against each other and you have these disagreements or you have these troublesome fights and then you break through them. Sure. And now you reconnect. And the way we mostly talk about it is we call it makeup sex. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. But imagine if that's that cycle happens for the rest of your life with the same person where you go through these tumultuous developments of growth as individuals, but then you learn how to communicate more effectively. So it's not a threat to your relationship every time. Right. But you still go through these these move apart, come together, move apart. It's like that orbit is really delicious. It it fuels romance and it fuels the sensation of, of excitement. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't want to knock those dating apps or hookup culture because, you know, I agree with you that if that's your morals and values and that makes you happy and you enjoy being that person, you know, picking up, having different eye candy, whatever you want to say, trophies, then that's great. Go do it. But, you know, I, I do see them as a tool just because that, like I said, you still got to court the woman and, you know, do something. I mean, for the most part that, uh, but the reason I say it's a tool is because, you know, it's meeting women now or opposite sex, whatever your flavor is, that that's the way to do it. You know, I don't mean, you know, I live in a very small town. So as far as going out and the old school bars or clubs or whatever, only we only have like two or three restaurants and in my, uh, in my town and they're all college bars and which, you know, it's like, well, that's not my scene anymore much, you know, just to go down on Friday night and try to, you know, hit on 20 year old girls or 21 year old girls or whatever. Just, you know, if that, again, if that's what you're doing, that's fine. You know, but at the end of the day that I like what you said that, you know, I, I, I think at this age, I know at this age that I want to find that person where I want to grow old and, you know, find somebody who we can build an empire with, like I said, and, you know, take over the world or whatever we do, but cause, you know, like, you know, like Jack Nichols, Nicholson, if that's what he wants to do, cool, you know, great. But well, even he ended up with a, a baby mama and they lived together for 15 I years. I didn't even know right. that. I guess I don't even know, but, um, but yeah, I, I just never like when, when I remember going to co- when I was, when I came tall tonight, when I was in college, going down to the bars and like seeing older guys hit on girls and these college age girls, I just remember thinking like, damn, I don't, I don't want to be that person. And, you know, 40 years from now having to do that, this, this, 
Now, maybe I'm, you know, that's the way I look at it. I didn't see it. I was like, I don't want to be that person. So that's when I, maybe things started to change for me, but I was like, oh, well, I'm in college now. I'm in, we're having a good time. But yes. And even now though, it's just like, you know, if I use the dating apps or anything, I'm just using them as a tool to, to try to meet somebody. But again, somebody would probably argue that you're really not going to meet your, your life partner or your soulmate or whatever you want to say on there, just because they're the hookup dating apps. But again, I think at the end of the day, it's whatever you're looking for. You can make them anything you want to be. Well, what I would say to you is the geography of your situation represents the next level of personal challenge in your growth. Mm. So this idea that if you're in an environment which doesn't support you finding the type of relationship you want, that it may be time for you to expand your capacity in terms of your your work life so you can get to a metro area where the pool of women your age is greater sure and be willing to take the risk that goes with that and that 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 profile of the per, the male who's willing to you know set aside all the comforts that he's built up and and seek out the new level of growth for himself um that's a hallmark of something attractive. And that's a great way to, to cultivate being an adventure unto yourself. And if you're the adventure, she's going to want to go on it. Right. Yeah. And so that may be the next area of growth for you is to think about, well, how could I do what I do in a more nomadic way? Or maybe I'm, you know, Chicago, New York, LA, like, or maybe it's simple. Like maybe it's just Austin, you know, like it doesn't have to be, or even, you know what? I went to an amazing convention in Indianapolis, man. Indianapolis is a beautiful place. I've heard that people in India are amazing people. I've heard that. Right. And it's a, it's a large enough area that you could probably find someone your age. Maybe she's got two eight year olds and she's divorced and Mm -hmm. she's looking for a man of your caliber. Right. (laughs) And, and you'd have to up level and go, you know what, even though I never thought I'd be a father, I'm willing, right? Like we don't know what adventure awaits. And like I said earlier, if you stay safe, eventually circumstances are going to force you into growth. Mm-hmm. And even when you think you're chasing something that's got variety and difference and adventure to it, sometimes it doesn't go the way you want it to. And you end up going in a completely different direction than you thought it would take you. Right. Life is like that. Sure. Um, at 53, my whole life was completely reshaped. And I found the most amazing woman, right? And she's my partner now, seven years. Nice. And she's more than I could have ever imagined. She's very dynamic, smart. She is independent, right? And she totally supports me in all my adventures. And she wants me and I want her. And it's like, I never knew. And here I am. I was like, I'm 59. I'm going to be 60 next March. And dude... I'm lit up. I, there's nothing I don't want to do with my life. We're talking about creating a, an adventure of life where we're living part-time in the Southern hemisphere and mm-hmm. coming up here. And, you know, and I've got this coaching business, which means I can do it wherever I want. And I've also got these other things. Like I've written a screenplay and I have a couple in development, like, nice. like you talk about empire and it shifted. Like I never knew eight years ago that I wanted to do any of that. Yeah. Yeah. You never pictured it, man. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. How, how, how weird how life takes you down that road. And you never would have imagined that you'd be doing X thing, you know? Yeah, it's the hero's journey. Yeah, there you go. To, 
And it doesn't, it's not something that is limited by age unless you create that mental trap for yourself and you believe that that's the thing. And so that's why, you know, like, I don't want to judge like cougars and I don't judge men that want to date younger women. Like if, if my friends who are my age want to go out with a woman who's 30 or 35 or even 27 or whatever, I don't judge them for that because that's their choice. And if they, as long as it's mutually consensual. Sure. And right. Um, and I think there's even a dating app for that. I don't know what the name of it is, but I think I've seen <laughs> that like ads on TikTok for that or something. Probably. But um, we live in this infinite world of possibilities in a country that's built on innovation and freedom. And if you are someone of integrity who has values mm -hmm. and is willing to take risks and go on an adventure, man, you're living the best life. I agree, man. Yeah. That's the way you want to do it, man. And, yeah. and sometimes I wonder, well, I don't really wonder because I think about it a lot that, you know, being, your own worst enemy and selling yourself short just because with so much information and so, or so much access to information, people are so worried, you know, judgment, like, you know, if there are, if there's someone is dating a younger girl, that's, you know, like 21 and whether it's like 10 years difference or whatever, they're so worried about the judgment and what society and people are going to look at them about. And that, you know, I don't even know what the rule is. I've always heard people say it's half your age plus seven, but whatever. I don't know. But it's, but again, that there's those formulas again. Yeah, that's like you hear the <laughs> they're sticking my head just because it's just like, damn, I guess that's, you know, what I don't know who made this rule, but I guess it's right. But um, but again, like I think like, again, what I'm saying is that, you know, bringing people out that, you know, your partner or whatever it is to out in public and just whatever your friends or whatever you're doing that you are so worried about what other people are going to think of you that you were really almost too afraid to have this full fledged relationship with this person. Cause you're too worried about what others are thinking and not going down this life and trying to build this life and go on this adventure that you were just saying because of this. And again, it could be just, you know, who cares what the age is at the end of the day, but um, you shouldn't think like that. You should be like exactly what you said that like life has all these possibilities for people now that let's go explore them and just block out all the mechanisms and don't worry about all the haters because they're usually coming from the cheap seats. Right. So, yeah. Well, and I think the Jordan Peterson example is interesting because for a lot of people, he's problematic. Sure. And he's staked out his own territory. He's been willing to be public about his values and what he believes. And he's willing to accept people that don't want to accept that from him. And he's okay with that. And so again, when you have, um, I don't want to say solidified because we're not solid objects. We're malleable people. And as we grow and change that thing shifts, but if you're committed to your own vision and you go all in on your values and what your leadership is, you're naturally going to have people that don't agree or don't buy in on your thing. But if that sways you in the breeze, then you're going to live a life of being lost and, and tossed on the seas of everybody's opinion, right? Yeah. And there are times when getting feedback from your culture is the path of growth where you realize, oh, that thing that I was so committed to, there was an aspect of it that was um, shadowy and it wasn't coming from my best self. And it, I had to go through it to actually learn that lesson. And that's kind of the way life works. Like when you go all in and you stand for something, it doesn't always turn out the way you want. And you don't always 
exemplify what you think the ideals of being a good man are. And that's what makes you a good man is being willing to admit it when you've made an error and correct your course, right? right? And to continue to strive. And the story becomes, who am I becoming? Not how have I failed? Yeah. What's one of those things that I've always been worried about in my life that, you know, I never really, until this me doing this podcast, I kind of felt like I was always a person who would shy away from, you know, thinking about or speaking what was in my head and sharing my opinions just because of those things like worrying about what other people would think of me, how they're going to judge me. You know, am I going to lose friends over this or whatever? But again, like to your point with Jordan Peterson just saying, Hey, this is how I am. And if you don't like me, then whatever, you know, fine by me. And I'm trying, I mean, yeah, I've been trying to be more of that man. Like take a stance on something, just not live in this gray area. I mean, you know, I want to live on the edge a little bit and, you know, find well, out. and he's he sat down uh, in and had conversations with people that vehemently disagree with them, and he's willing to have the conversation. Sure. I've watched it, right? And it, so it's not just like if you don't believe in me or if you don't agree with me, you're out. I don't want to hear from you. It's more like, hey, I know who I am, and I'm an intellectual. I can have the conversation with sure. you, and we can we can converse about what whether I'm right or wrong, and whether there's evidence to, to, for me to like, look at, um, one of the odd things, and I just found this out about him is that he had, uh, tried psychedelics Mm. recently in his life. And I would have never have guessed that about him based on the way he, he wears his clothes and the way he presents himself. He doesn't come off as someone who's tripping, you know? And I thought, you know, that's pretty interesting for a professor to really examine himself at the level of deep introspection that comes with that chemical approach to life and to be open and honest with it too, at the, his level of public, you know, um, scrutiny that shows courage and commitment and dedication to his values. And, you know, honestly, I wouldn't recommend it, but, um, by the same token, if you're going to do it, do it out in the open, be honest with people and, yeah. and be willing to say, you know, I did this because I wanted to find out something new about myself. Yeah. Well, I think it's become more acceptable to say that you, you've done psychedelics. Yeah. More and more in this culture it is. Yeah. And particularly it's valuable for our soldiers who come back from the theater of war, because what we're finding out is the way to help them manage the PTSD and the emotional fallout of that is through those kinds of therapies. Sure. And I think, if you're going to do something like that, you should have a purpose behind what you're doing. And, you know, the way that the indigenous cultures approached those things was you went and you saw the shaman and he talked to you about your life and what it was you were thinking of. And then you went and you had your vision and then you try to figure out what you're going to do with your life next. It wasn't like, Hey dude, let's go mess up our brains and stare at the, <laughs> the lake and drink some beer, you yeah, know? For sure. Right. Yeah. Well, it gives you, an alternative way of thinking about things and just, you know, from out and I've never done psychedelics or anything really that hard in my life anyway. But from, from what I've heard, what listen to people who have like, you know, they see life in a whole new era or new dimension. Like, you know, it makes more sense to them and they really enjoy life more for whatever reason. Like it just, I don't know. It broadens our horizons, I guess is maybe that's a good cliche way of thinking, saying it. Well, but, and and I think that if you look at biochemistry, you can find out, well, your brain already makes DMT. Sure. So how can I make DMT myself? Well, there's ways to do that. And, and extreme sports and um, heavy duty yoga and various martial arts, there's ways 
mountain climbing. Yep. There's ways for you to create a spiritual peak experience for yourself that isn't necessarily tied to an external chemical, right? If you're willing to commit to having a vision quest, you can go and that's, this is the, you know, this is the indigenous populations of the North America used to do this. They would send their young men, the 12 year olds on a vision quest. And the, the only thing that would happen was they would sit on a mountain in the cold with no food or water for three days. And if you do that to your body, it starts to secrete weird stuff and you start to have visions, right? And then you you meet up with the men in your group again and they talk about, okay, well, you're going to be a man soon and we're going to take you through this ritual and this is how you're going to have to behave with the women now, and mm. right? And But, but we're kind of leaving our young men to the winds of, of folly at this point in our life, unless you're already in a strong family structure, right? Sure, and, I agree. As someone who came from what was called the counterculture at the time, you know, my parents lived in in the San Francisco Bay Area during the whole hippie days. And I came up with, you know, an absentee father and a, there was a lot of ambiguity in my life. And so I have a deep respect for people who live in Florida or Texas and who are what we call God fearing people who are men who commit to their families, who raise their children and make sure they go to college and who work in, in mines or work in the oil fields. Like, I do not buy into this polarized politics that we have in America. Like, I have my point of view. I have a vision for how I want to reshape the world. But it includes my fellow Americans in oh. all of the different shapes and sizes that they come in. Because I appreciate what it's like to not have a father around. And I know what it meant to that family that had that father that stuck around and stuck it out and did the hard work and and kept his family together even if it didn't quite turn out the way he'd hoped right and i think the less we criticize and berate each other and have fear about each other's differences the more we have potentially in becoming a really truly even greater nation united is the first word in the name of our country and I'm, it just sads me yeah. to see the way we talk to each other and the way we talk about each other. And I think that's also true with regards to male-female relationships. We have all these labels we want to give each other, player, or like mm -hmm. you're saying earlier, whore or whatever. <laughs> and, and those are just boxes that we push each other into. And we're not actually boxes. We're dynamic. We can change and shape. And, and if you're willing and you seek out the right kinds of counsel, right? Yeah, you know, kind of mentorship, man or woman, you can do anything in this country. Man, uh, I like that for sure. And as you were talking, I, I can relate to what you were saying about an absentee father. Just uh, my parents got divorced when I was three, and so there for a while, you know, I didn't have anybody but just my mom and I mean my brother was around. But uh, but yeah, to your point though, like you know, my dad was around, but only through joint custody, so. It was really just kind of weird going down there and, you know, seeing him with his new wife and stuff like that. It was just, you know, like, I don't even know if they listen to this, but if they do, whatever. But, you know, it was one of those things that I've always felt like she wanted my father to be father to her kids. Right. And so we were just like the uh, the annoying kid, other kids that were around. But again, you know, my mom remarried and, you know, I actually got a couple of those values in life through my stepdad, like learned how to tie a tie and being a man and, you know, maybe not like some of the dating aspects, but there were still some things that were missing, you know, throughout my life. Like I remember like, 
know, going over to somebody's house and eating steak or whatever. They're like, Hey, how do you like your steak? I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I think I've ever been asked that before. You know, it's like things like that, you know, it's just like, you know, like, like where it's the so-called masculine society, I guess, or culture, if you want to say that you didn't never pick up on things like that about, you know, oh, there's different ways to tie in a tie or how do you order steak or do you like whiskey or beer and things. And I'm not saying you have to know those things to be a man. I'm just saying that I just remember having those things and just felt like, wonder if, you know, somebody would have been around more to sh- tell me that, like that, what if that would have made a new trait in my head or new gene or something like that. I guess. Well, I, I think we right. all, as boys, we all crave the initiatory process. We all crave mentorship. Yeah. To help show us. Cause we're as, as humans, we learn by, by doing, and we learn by observing, right? When we learn to walk and we learn to speak, it's all from listening and watching how other people do it. And so to the extent that intimacy is absent from our life, it's because to a large degree, culturally, we're all kind of stumbling around in the dark around how, how to be more intimate with each other. And I think, you know, as speaking as an entrepreneur, there's something I've coined called professional intimacy. And when I work with CEOs, you know, my, my, uh, my catchphrase is happy home, productive C-suite. Hmm. Right. And there's that, that intimacy at home, but then who, how are you motivating your employees? Like there's a level, why do we call them motivational speakers? Because they inspire us. They create an emotional reaction that drives productivity. Sure. So if you're, if you're leaving the emotional intelligence off the table in your enterprise, then you are missing the most powerful engine of productivity that's available to you. And so professional intimacy is about recognizing your why and your purpose, and then how you enroll your team in doing that for their benefit, not just for the pay, but what's the human mission that you are creating? What's the problem you're solving? How are you evolving society? And so when you can get people involved at that level, they're in the game at a a level that's way beyond dollars and cents and the hours that they put in. Yeah, I was just thinking that, you know, based on what we've been talking about as far as, you know, relationships and things like that, like when you said about, you know, helping out CEOs and, or whatever, that a lot of these traits kind of go into your work family too, because, you know, again, you're spending, you're nine to five, 40 plus hours with these people rather than more time than your own family. Right. So yeah, you got to know like how to, you know, swindle them, I guess, in a, in a way and be it, be that employee and going over the edge or being an overachiever, I guess, and just being a good leader. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, how you show up one way is pretty much how you show up every way. Ooh. So if you're hiding and dodging and trying to sneak things through at home, you're probably doing the same thing at work. I agree. And so it, the, the thing we need is we need to help each other as men learn how to embody our true values and be able to show up and take the medicine when it's time to take the medicine. And then also how to be good playmates when it's time to play and how to have fun and not just be so serious all the time because there's so much riding on our shoulders as providers and as fathers and leaders in the in, you know in our our work lives but we're yeah, as human beings play and discovery and adventure is how, is what we're really made of and so when you can gamify what it is you do and you can create the kind of emotional investment in people then everyone's winning 
because we're having fun and we're making things happen. And that translates, that skill set is the same skill set, but it's just a, a question of depth. Like you're not going to be intimate at work the way you're intimate with your family. That would be literally breaking the law on, on a whole bunch of levels, right? <laughs> True. But the skill of human connection and emotional intelligence and how to communicate is the same skill. And it's just a matter of depth and boundaries. Like your boundaries at work have to be a certain way, right? If you have a female assistant, you want to have fun with her. You want her to feel excited and you want to have good emotional communication. But there's a boundary there. It's not about having an intimate relationship like you would do with your wife, right? Sure. Yeah. So that rapport has a quality to it that is exalted and has a value system that's built around the professional level of intimacy. But then at home, it's it's full on. It's light that fire, baby. Get her excited. And so if if you're worried about your life at home, then your work life is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. And if – right? Because you're, you're, you're not fully invested. You're like, oh, I forgot Timmy's birthday or, oh, my wife's mad at me. And you're in the water cooler and you're talking about Joe. And now Joe's involved with your emotional problems at home, right? So and this, if you get that balance right, you're firing on all cylinders at that point. And that's, that's, that's happiness. Purposeful work, good connection at home, you know, making a, an impact in, in society at large. Those are the, pretty much the basics, right? And creativity yeah. and adventure and, and, and moving beyond the being a cog in a wheel at the 20 year mark, like just right away, like just know that if you aren't planning to shift, if you don't have a five-year plan, you're planning to fail. <laughs> and and if you don't create one, it's going to create get created for you. And I was the perfect example of that. And I lived through it and I reinvented myself and I, life is so much better. And my life was good before this. Like it went, right? It was amazing. And so um, I'm, I'm just, I got a lot to offer because I've been so blessed I've come through a lot of trials and I've come through my willingness to go through, stand in the fire. And then now I stand for men. I stand for families. I stand for relationships and I stand for America, you know, and the world because I believe in the possibilities. I'm not worried about and fearful of the thing falling apart and, oh, it's all going to hell in a handbasket because that mindset is what creates that. We're all worried about Armageddon. Well, guess what? We're going to create Armageddon if we keep worrying about it. Like, let's start talking about solutions. Let's start talking about how we're going to make the streets safer and we're going to pay for education. And right. Instead of what the former president said or what's wrong with the current president. I could talk both sides of that issue. (laughs) Like, Let me tell you, I have no problem on either of those things. And I think that's what makes me um, someone you can trust. And someone who's making an impact, and I I don't have to be president to make a big impact in the world. You know, no. every man makes the world better a little bit at a time. Yeah, man. You know, you said that very well, and just that, you know, I agree wholeheartedly with you that you know most young men are really looking for somebody like that, somebody who can be a strong role model or mentor for them. And you know, it's like the what you see in a movie is like as far as like the experienced athlete showing the uh, the young athlete like the way of doing things and how to get far in life and do things correctly and just that you know again you know taking this from joe rogan he talks about how if you want to make america a great start making less losers out there and you know, <laughs> help those people who are uneducated and making them and get them the 
you know, the sources that they need to do something with their life rather than just setting them up for, you know, failure. Right. You know, and just one of those things that makes a lot of sense, you know, go into these inner cities and help people, you know, do more with their life rather than just saying, oh, well, you know, I guess I'll just start dealing drugs. I guess that's the only way to do anything in this world. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cry and shame that we give foreign aid to so many countries. And meanwhile, Michigan and Chicago don't have, you know, workable water solutions like that's just a cry and shame about our country. Yeah. And I still cannot believe that, that, you know, Michigan still was it Flint, Michigan that still has problem with their water and it's just like what the hell and then even remember that stint obama did or something with it and he was like took a sip out of it like this is not a stunt but um yeah this i I get it i just i don't get it at all like how is that possible in 2022 that there's no clean water there you know well it's because the posturing is 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 the thing it's all about sound bites and how we appear on tv and that's why values and commitment and perseverance and persistence are the true hallmark of greatness because it's that's what actually gets you somewhere. It's not how you look on TV or what your neighbors mm-hmm. think of you that matters. It's it's who are you impacting and how. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that again, like going walking through life, you never really know how your actions are. Or this is something I think about that are who's are really watching you and how you are really impacting somebody else. You know that. You know, like when I'm at the gym, I think about that a lot just through my workouts and my training, even when I'm doing competitions, because I know people are, are watching and stuff. But then I'm just wondering, like, you know, how I'm, my behavior is and how I'm, you know, being content with myself. And are people really watching that? And what are they thinking on the outside looking in? It's just like, oh, I want them to think, oh, that's a badass motherfucker right there. Or just not some some idiot trying to do things out here and look cool. So, yeah. So it means a lot to me, though. And, and I think that, you know, with work ethic and your perseverance and your commitment to something, really says a lot about you. And that's one thing that, that one, probably three of my, and your integrity. Yeah. A lot of my core values right there. So yeah. yeah, It's like what you said earlier, what you put into something is probably how you do everything or however you said more better than that. But yeah. How you show up one way is how you show up everywhere else. Cool. And, And you're not stuck with that. Like if you're not, if you're not happy with yourself, if it's not working for you, there's a way out. I guarantee you there's a way out. No matter how dark it seems, ask for help, reach out, find a buddy, call a coach, mm. find a mentor. And if that's not working, go down to the food bank and donate your time. Find a way to, to be part of the solution. You can do it. Um, and I'm here for you. Mark, I think it's a beautiful way to end this podcast right there. Take it home right there on that one, man. Sorry. All right. Well, it's been a real pleasure to meet you, Chris, and I hope we'll stay connected. Sure. Um, this. Before you go, if people want to find you, if you want to plug your book or anything. Feel free well, to my do. book's not available, but if you want to connect with me for coaching, my website is markwentcoaching.com, and that's M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T coaching.com. I'm also on LinkedIn as Mark Went. Um, there's one other guy in Chicago who's an ad exec who's not me, spells his name with a C. Um, <laughs> or you can write to Chris after you've listened to this podcast and I'm sure Chris and I'll still be connected. I'm out there. Um, um, or you can just call me. Uh, can I give out my number? Uh, that's if you want to, that's up to you. Sure, It's already out there. You can, it's out there. It's not <laughs> hidden. You can call me at 415-328-7668. I do an hour free introductory call to anyone who wants to talk about being a client. And if you just needed someone to talk to for an hour, Call me. Cool. Well, you're a badass dude, man. I'm, I'm glad we did this, man. So. Takes one to know one, Chris. Cool. Cool, man. Well, again, thank you. So, all right, folks, we're out of here.
Thanks again. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park